This is Spilling Royal Tea with Sean Mandel and Craig Robert Young. The kettle is whistling, the tea is hot. Spill it, Sean. What's the latest gossip on Meghan and Harry? This just in, some bombshell news. There's a new book out about Meghan Markle, uh, written by a royal biographer, Andrew Morton. Oh. Yeah, so you may remember Andrew. He was famous for writing a biography about Diana when she was still married to Prince Charles. It was very controversial at the time. Very controversial at the time. It was quite revealing, had a lot of details about her personal struggles with um, bulimia, how the uh, affair that Charles was having with Camilla impacted her. Mm -hmm. Um, It was widely viewed to be pretty just groundbreaking in terms of the personal details that we were getting about at then time, you know, Princess of Wales, but also future Queen of England, right? And also we later found out that the way that Andrew Morton was able to get so many details about Diana's life was that she was recording interviews with a friend and then those tapes, the cassette tapes, were passed on to Andrew Morton and he used them, but it was all done very uh, sources close to Diana, yeah. you know, friends of Covertly. Diana. Exactly. Yeah. I think she really felt like she was trying to get her side of the story out, right? Yeah. She felt like it was getting lost. So Andrew is back on the scene. He's reporting on Megan's first marriage to Hollywood producer Trevor Engelson. Oh, yeah. Um, and when they got married, Trevor's career, Trevor was more established in his career. But then Megan's career started to take off when she got cast on Suits. Right. And so from there, the interesting thing is that according to uh, Andrew's book, he's saying that Trevor went from feeling like uh, the most important thing in Megan's life to being like something stuck on her shoe. Oh. Was the quote that a friend of Trevor's apparently is attributing. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's, and apparently it caught Trevor uh, off guard, the divorce, and he apparently still harbors quite a bit of anger to this day. I'm sure. Can you imagine being the ex of now, you know, the betrothed of a royal? It's right. Like I mean, a, a bit future, of a slap in the face. <laughs> right. I mean, exactly. Like a divorce isn't hard enough, right? Yeah. And now you're, you and know. Smelling like some dog poo on the bottom of a shoe. <laughs> well, I mean, certainly if that's how you're feeling. I mean, you know, have, knowing that your ex is now going to be an HRH doesn't really living in Kensington Palace I can't imagine that helps yeah no um, and apparently he was supposed to be doing his own movie about an American normal girl marrying into a royal family which right. is quite interesting right? I know I wonder the how the genesis of that happened and where, <laughs> where that project currently stands hmm. yeah but I think this is really interesting because, again, you know, I, this is one report. We, we don't know for sure if this is um, 100% true. But it's interesting because it plays into directly what we're talking about today, which is what happens when the fairy tale, when happily ever after, the relationship you think it's going to last forever, um, when it falls through. The bubble bursts. The bubble bursts. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the fact that Prince Harry has reportedly put a hard pass on uh, getting a prenuptial agreement with Meghan Markle before uh, their wedding in May. Yeah, holla, we do not want a prenup. That is certainly what Harry's uh, signaling here. Okay, so we promise not to get too stodgy legalese on you. We actually want to talk about how romance, power, money, and passion form the ink that writes these laws into existence. Before we enter into the world of royal courts, we have some uh, exciting details to report also on Meghan and Harry's wedding day, which is pretty cool. We're, we're getting more, we're getting closer to the date, so we know a little bit more about what's gonna, what it's gonna look like. And it's, it's gonna be different from other royal weddings. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have chosen floral designer, uh, Philip Akratic. 
to make the church flowers for their wedding. Philippa will lead a team uh, using locally sourced foliage and flowers and plants um, that are in season and blooming naturally in May. Very much fits into, you know, Megan's sort of lifestyle brand of being um, locally sourced. Which sucks for those people who start who suffer from hay fever around that time. It's going to be rough. There's going to be a run on Benadryl uh, in Windsor, (laughs) I think. Um, So, uh, but there's also going to be in the floral arrangements as well. There's also going to be uh, branches um, of beech, birch, and hornbeam, as well as white garden roses, peonies, and foxglove. I'm really excited that there are peonies because I love peonies. Very British. Very British. Very British. I think it's going to feel very like English garden, right? That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Well, it's interesting because just like their cake, which is going to be baked with seasonal ingredients, Harry and Meghan have uh, decided to take great care to ensure that the flowers will be locally sourced, seasonal and sustainable. So you really see a common care for the environment coming through in both This is like a Whole Foods details. wedding, which is like, it's so, it's a Whole <laughs> Or a food, farmer's market wedding, right? right? I yeah. mean, it's like Whole Foods presents the royal wedding, which I'm, I'm all about it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, <laughs> I'm here for a Whole Foods moment. Yeah. This is Spilling Royalty, a podcast that follows the piping hot engagement of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, from the annals of British history to the wedding chapel at Windsor Castle. The show is half British and half American, just like the historic marriage of Meghan and Harry. I'm Sean Mandel, a producer, pop culture devotee, and TMZ's unofficial royal correspondent. And I'm Craig Robert Young, a British-born thespian working in Hollywood, but with a childhood thoroughly steeped in the Crown's culture. In each episode, we will spill the tea. That's American for gossip. On the latest stories about Meghan and Harry. Tea will be served with some English history and cultural translations from across the pond that you can't go without. So, without further ado, let's spill the royal tea. On Spilling Royalty, we follow the old English verse, something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue. It's an old tradition that continues to get adapted in fresh and modern ways, just like our royal paramours, Harry and Meghan. We'll begin with something old to give you some context about how the royal family has handled prenuptial agreements in the past, especially with Morganatic marriages. Morgan... Attic? Morganatic. Yes, say it with me. Morganatic. Morganatic. <laughs> Not exactly. That's my, like that's that. my, my. Is that your Sean? Or is that your that, American? That's my American Sean. Oh, God. Not just oh, you. In something new, we will take a deep look at why Harry and Meghan opted out of a prenup and some of the risks Harry in particular may be incurring with his enormous wealth and a distinctly American bride. We'll then borrow some legal expertise from TMZ's attorney, Derek Kaufman, to help us understand what goes into a prenup and why they may or may not be wise. And for something blue, Sean and I will offer you our unsolicited legal advice for free, or maybe just in exchange for a glowing Apple podcast review. <laughs> or a plus one at Megan Harry's wedding, Kensington uh, Palace. That's right. Sean will event accept a place on the grounds of Windsor Castle with the other 2,000 commoners. I mean, I suppose. <laughs> Without further ado, let's spill some royalty. There's one something old. Harry's parents, Princess Diana and Prince Charles, also famously declined a prenup. And upon their split after nearly 15 years of marriage, Princess Di received a lump sum of about $22.5 million. Apparently, so Charles was completely, like, 
his private savings, granted, he still had like estates and things like that, but like he, he was, his bank was like cleared oh, out. Oh, he didn't see it coming. No, he was just like, take it all because yeah. she wanted more. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And I mean, so, that's a, a big lifestyle to keep up. I mean, shopping at Harrods every day sounds great. <laughs> I'm so here for it. And then, you know, uh, now we have second in line to the throne, Prince William, mm-hmm. who does not have a prenup. Also, yeah, with yeah. Uh, Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because, you know, when this whole thing came about um, in terms of the annou- the report that Harry doesn't, you know, we know, again, the palace is not confirming, you know, that there is no prenuptial agreement. This is this is something that they would qualify as something we don't really comment on on, right. on those matters. But... The thing that it made me think of is something about what's called um, a morganatic marriage. So it's this weird term, morganatic. It's something that used to exist in mainly in European royalty. It doesn't have a huge precedent in British royalty, right? But so it's a type of marriage that you would have um, with someone. It's such a, it's so much shade. It's such a shady thing. It's like um, a marriage with a royal who's marrying someone below their station. Okay. And so basically in order to get the consent of the government or your family to be able to marry this person who is, you know, a commoner or something, or in the case of like, Megan, a, a divorcee, um, they would have to uh, get to get the permission and to get the marriage going. They would have to agree that the person they're marrying would not get the title, and any children ha- they have would not get a title or any inheritance. Wow! And so it's really interesting because it made me think about how in previous times, like this is something that may you know may have been discussed, but it's not you know with Megan. There is no prenuptial. There's no saying like. You don't get uh, any part of the inheritance, you know, should we divorce or anything like that. Like, Harry is double, <laughs> doubling down on this and saying, like, nope, I'm, you know, in it to win it. Uh, are you saying that this marriage that's about to take place it will be uh, morganatic? Or? No, so that's the thing. So it actually won't be morganatic because a morganatic marriage is basically um, limited. It, it's kind of like a prenuptial agreement. Okay. It's yeah. like a prenuptial agreement that dates It's a back. fancy term for a prenup. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's like a Old sort, fashioned. Yeah, very old fashioned. It was very common in like European royal houses um, like that weren't Britain, right? So like uh, on the continent, like German princes often like had morganatic marriages. And so so, yeah, it was sort of the the pre the pre prenuptial agreement before what we have today. So it's really interesting that given the divorces that we've seen, divorce is has been a big theme in the Royal House of Windsor in the 20th century. And there's been fights in each case, in each case of divorce um, about titles and about money. And it's interesting that neither William nor Harry, you know, as this next generation of royals, are are getting prenuptial agreements. But Morganic sounds kind of witchy, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and the the reason why, yeah, the reason why the Morganatic marriage came up as something that was interesting to me as well is because of the parallel between Meghan Markle and Walt Simpson, right? Right. So she's, the two people are often kind of like put in the same, um, the same box because... Well, because she's American and... Mm-hmm. Um, Both yeah. are divorcees. Yeah. Granted, Walt was a two-time divorcee. And she wasn't an actress, though. No. No. She was married to uh, Edward VIII, obviously, yes. who was the one that abdicated the throne. Right. Um, which is what, when George, George VI, the Queen's father, became king. Right. And that's sort of how we got to, you know, where we are today. But it was this very scandalous affair between Wall Simpson, this um, divorcee uh, American who was having an affair with the king. And the king 
told Parliament and his cabinet that he wanted to marry her. And one of the options to try and set, because constitutionally, um, it would have been problematic for him as the head of the Church of England to be married to a divorcee because at the time, the Church of England didn't recognize divorce. Um, So... The, one of the reasons why the morganatic marriage came about um, as a topic was that Edward actually gave as one of three options. He gave three options to Parliament or like to his ministers and everything. He said, one, I marry Wallace and you make her queen. Two, I marry Wallace and you give her some sort of title. Duchess of Cornwall was thrown around, yeah. thrown around interestingly, the title that Camilla was given. <laughs> we'll get into that <laughs> later. Um, but so uh, if you give her some sort of title, but she will not be queen, and it, the marriage will be morganatic, meaning that any children we have will not get, will not, for example, they wouldn't have ascended to the throne. So yeah. they wouldn't have become future kings or queens of England. So it still would have gone to George and then down to Elizabeth and everyone else. And then the third option was, I marry Wallace, I abdicate. And that's what ended up happening yeah. because Parliament uh, did not find the idea of a morganatic marriage to be suitable. And it just never worked in English history. First two, something new. Okay, some sources reportedly close to Harry mm-hmm. have been saying that there was never any question in Harry's mind that he would sign a prenup. He's determined that his marriage will be a lasting one, so there's no need for him to sign anything. Right, I mean, and I think that's that's the viewpoint of a lot of people, by the way. You know, like, that if you sign a prenup, it's dooming. You're, you're already setting yourself up for failure in a way. Exactly. Yeah. He's sticking with practice of, yeah. you know, the tradition of and the it's, royal And it's fairly new in the UK, you know. Um, this this idea of, uh, of a prenup, it's still very unpopular. Well, first of all, it's only since about, like, 2010 mm-hmm. that courts have started looking at prenups in, yeah. in the UK, but they're still not enforceable. No. Like, in the US, a prenuptial agreement, like, if you have it, you know, in, in place, it is usable in court and enforceable. But in the UK, it's kind of viewed more as just a suggestion or, like, a guideline. Yeah, exactly. So, like, Meghan has 5 million and it's reported that Harry has around 22. You know, so it's like, that's all fair game. And in terms of, look, like, looking at the money that's at stake, yeah. that money comes from the money that he inherited from Diana when she passed. Because you have to remember, she died only about a year after her divorce settlement. So she had a lot from, of money So left. she had a lot of money. Yeah. And so all that money then went directly to Harry and William. To the boys. To the boys. Yeah. So they then got that. And in addition to that, they don't get a, like, salary from the state. The money that they get, I mean, in terms of they have staff and everything like that. Those things are yeah. paid for by the state. Yeah. But their individual money, like they don't get like a salary for being the Duke of Cambridge, right? Yeah. But the money that they get... They is, get it from Charles's private estate. Yes. Right? That's the, right. The Duchy of Cornwall. Yeah. And so he then, um, they each get about, um, they get a couple million, like, a year um, from his own estate, which he makes a lot of money from, that he owns privately. But things like that are, you know, let's say Megan were to sue for a divorce... Things that are uh, certain properties, like Buckingham Palace, um, things like the Crown Jewels, etc., those are not, you know... They're protected by the trust. Yes. And there is a difference between, for example, like there are certain properties that the royal family owns themselves. For example, like Balmoral, which is uh, Balmoral Castle in Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. The Queen goes there every summer. It's her favorite retreat. She owns that, like, outright. She owns it privately. The state does not own that. Whereas, like, the state owns Buckingham Palace. Or, uh, actually... You know what? Actually, I don't know about Buckingham Palace, but they do own certain palaces. I have to check on Buckingham yeah. Palace because it used 
used to be Buckingham House. I and think that what, what I, from my memory, what I remember is that Buckingham Palace is uh, in trust. However, the public do pay for the upkeep of it. Right. Yes. So, you know, when there's a plumbing problem, the, the public have to pay. And there for were the renovations. There were renovations recently that, yeah, had, to be, them, yeah. that had to be done on Buckingham Palace. It was very expensive. It was very expensive and it was a huge controversial issue yeah. um, in terms of, you know, getting the public to foot that bill. And it was also really interesting because... You know, there have been certain people who reportedly, I mean, like Jackie O, reportedly, when she visited Buckingham Palace, like made some snide remarks about Buckingham Palace being like, you know, uh, smelly. Yeah, just sort of like not in the best shape, shall we say. It's like old. I mean, come on. Right, right. right. You know, you got a lot older than the White House. Verse three, something borrowed. Well, let's turn to an actual lawyer for some advice on this. Uh, we're going to welcome TMZ's attorney, Derek Kaufman, to tell us a little bit more about prenups. Derek, welcome to Spilling Royal Tea. Thanks for joining us on the pod. Thanks for having me. I wanted to see how the tea was made. You know, we do spend more time spilling the tea than we do making it, but... Um, Sipping it from sources. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like a spot. Okay. So. Well, um, so we want to talk to you because we're talking about prenups, right? So the report is that Prince Harry said no prenup. Like, no prenup. No prenup. And, and reportedly, uh, Prince William didn't have a prenup. Neither did Prince Charles in either of his marriages. So, want to talk to you? So, like, tell us what the basic function like of a prenup is. Like, where do they? Like, where did this start? Like, sure. what's the background on? Sure. This? So, I, I'm no expert in, in in UK prenups, but I can tell sure. you they are very in vogue here in California. Uh, prenups are basically to make sure. Uh, parties uh, to a marriage know how to divvy up their assets because you got a lot of marriages in California particularly where one spouse has a very, very high income and a lot of wealth and one has much, much less. Welcome to Hollywood. (laughs) Welcome to Hollywood. So that is a typical scenario where there's a vast disparity in the amounts of money that they have and that they can make in the future. So you want to set this all up beforehand, before the, while things are all rosy and wonderful, before you get married, when you're in the, in the glow of love, and you set it out in an agreement. And the agreement basically sets forth that if things go poorly, here's how we'll divide up my assets. Uh, courts will enforce these in California. In the UK, they're pretty frowned upon. And, and so it's not that surprising that the royals never had these prenups. Now, they will look at them and they'll say, look, if you guys went to the trouble of making a contract and, and a barrister put this together for you, we'll look at it and we'll, we'll assess whether this thing is fair. Because at the end of the day, you want to make sure the agreement is fair. How many Americans would you say uh, sign prenups before uh, getting married compared to that of the UK? It, it's a good question. I, I think uh, – I don't know absolute numbers here, but sure, in California, sure. I would say as, a, as a, percent, like a percentage of marriages in California that I would deal with sort of high net worth individuals, you're going to see probably 70 to 80 percent of them getting a prenup. Now, those remaining 20 percent – don't get it, not because it's not you know, useful for them, sure. but that it's an awkward conversation to have. Right. And so a lot of people just want to avoid that. And in the background, if you've got all your wealth sort of squared away in various trusts and, and, and accounts, you can avoid it uh, and, and try not to have your assets commingle. That's what they say. When, when things come together, it's really hard to unscramble the egg. So in a prenup, <laughs> you have a way of unscrambling that egg. Right. It came up Do, with some sort of magic ingredient. You don't want to leave it to a judge. A judge at the end of the day is just going to look like, oh, well, this seems fair to me. And you don't want to leave it in those heads. Right. So, you you know, we, like, as we, you just said, it's very unpopular in the UK. And it's pretty unpopular, yeah. 
Do, but do you know how um, – do you know much about the legal history of the prenup in the UK? Well, you know, we should – I was surprised to learn that the prenup is is not that popular in the UK because we actually share a legal tradition. We're both from a common law tradition. Everything we do in the US comes from the UK. I mean that's that's – the founding of our nation comes from people from the UK, right. came into this country and we basically imported those legal traditions. We're actually the two countries that do it this way and most don't do it this way. Oh, interesting. If you go to France, they have an entirely different form of law where wow. the judges are the central players. Here in the UK and in the US, we have juries, we have uh, common law traditions where we write down the laws and we try to apply them as written down over time. That common law tradition is really pretty rare and it's really That's just interesting. Us in the UK. I had no idea about yeah. that. So, so they, they, I was surprised that they weren't that common, but the, I think the overlay of the royal tradition mm-hmm. and the importance of the Anglican Church makes prenups seem somewhat gauche to, to, yeah. to UK people. To uh, like talk about is. money. Yeah, it's, it's talking about money, it's talking about things that aren't polite conversation. Right. Whereas here in crass America, right. we have no problem. We roll up our sleeves. Right. We're like, what do you got? Yeah, listen, this is what's on the table. You get this much if you last one year, this much. I mean, because that's the other thing. I, I was thinking, I'm not going to lie. I was really thinking about that because, like, in Hollywood, right, like celebrity marriages, it's very common that, like, you stay in the marriage one year, you get X amount of dollars. Yep. You get a, you deliver a kid, you give this, you get that amount of money. Wow. You're, it's like you're, a prize. You're so right. You know? They're written with this specificity where there's kickers for surviving the marriage. I yeah. remember watching. Uh, it's like we, Kickstarter reward. Yeah, we, <laughs> some of these have come out around uh, Harvey Weinstein. There's been stories about uh, the, his prenup and what what kind of payments would be made if the X number of children were born, uh, if this movie were successful, if you stay in the marriage this long, it goes up. Oh. All of these sliding scales, and it's it's really. Uh, Kind of gross in it a way gross. to read yeah. these things because there there's human emotions involved. But it's so weird because it's like I always, I now associate them so much with people of like uh, that kind of power and station that for you know me and my American mind I was very much like oh well of course you know even if Harry doesn't want one I'm thinking someone in Buckingham Palace they're going to be like listen you need this you kid. need this and this is what's like here's how it's going to be because we've seen this we've seen it we like Charles got cleared out with Diana mm-hmm. you know like all this situation like we we have a format now. That's right. And he didn't do it. So I mean, so what? Yeah. So what are your take on you know them not signing a prenup? Do you think that it was a good idea, a bad idea? I thought it was a beautiful idea. Oh. I, I won't comment on whether it's a good or bad idea, but it does seem quaint. I'm a lawyer. I like to see yeah. these things written out. But, but you also like money. So. I, I do. I like money. I want I to see lawyers to that. get to draft up a contract. Yeah, I want everyone to get paid here. But there's something beautiful about this couple in love and and sort who of, has a lot at stake. Who by has the a way, lot at stake. Yeah, you know, committing it, to each other forever. I mean, yeah. they don't want to think about those things, about splitting up and, you know. We're so jaded here. I know. We're and so not, jaded. And this was a lovely, lovely sort of outcome. I and not it. to be like this, but I mean, it's like, you know, Megan had, she's been through this before. Yes. You know? Do you find that um, people who have already been married, have mm-hmm. been divorced when they get remarried, that it's more likely to have a prenup the second time around? That is almost uncertainly true. Yes. So that's so I think that was without a doubt. I think I have to say, I think in the back of my mind, I think that was another reason why I was kind of expecting there to be one a little bit. Because that's when you let cynicism creep in. When you've had your true love fall apart and and it it crumble and you lose a lot of your assets in the process, then you think, oh, next time around, I'm going to sign an agreement. And then also thinking about, you know, where you're not being overly romantic, but, you know, that notion of, 
if that's something that's always in your mind about, you know, oh, when I split up, I'm going to get this. Yes. You know, or when I split up, I've got to get At least I have that. Yeah, you're planting you know? sort of this seed of distrust yeah. in, the, in the beginning of a marriage. I mean... It's like, I, you know, you won't weather the rough times. You'll just be like, oh, well, I could just get out and now and I've got $20 million in my bank. That's right. It, it undermines the sort of sanctity of the institution, which well, is the really reason, work these problems out when yeah. you can. And if a marriage falls apart, so be it. But at that point, if a, if a true, if your love really fall out of love, maybe you should give up a lot of your assets. I mean, right. this is someone who's in the trenches with you and, and protecting every nickel and dime is really not what it's all about. And that's a lot coming from a lawyer because I, I, know, I because mostly... I'm like, I'm, you're kind of blowing my mind right <laughs> with like this POV right here, but I, I'm loving it. I feel very romantic about this notion and, and I'm happy because I think it would detract from the royal wedding if, if there were a prenup behind it. Right, because then everyone would just kind of be like side-eyeing that. Yeah. One eye on the aisle, one eye on the prenup. Yeah, it'd be like, oh, he's learning from his father, Charles, and he doesn't want that to go sideways but listen this is if if ever there were a fairy tale it is an american like actress marrying a you know a british prince i mean like you think back to grace kelly and everything like that it's beautiful there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be looking at this as a fairy tale and that would definitely i think undermine it i agree so okay so let's say let's say sadly harry and megan fall in the sad tradition of you know the Windsor family not having the best track record sure. with divorces, and let's say they decide to part, they uh, consciously uncouple, right? Yeah. They, oh, I love that. Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, kind of thinking, way. yeah. Well, because I think because honestly, I do. I have to say, I do think that should they ever get divorced, God forbid, I want them to last. Sure. I want them to last forever. But I do think that God forbid, it, should that ever happen. They are the type of people who would do the Gwyneth Paltrow route and be like best friends still, but be, you know, just not be married. I completely agree. And especially if the marriage lasts long enough for them to build a family. I can't see either of them dragging kids through a very, very nasty and public breakup. Um, if it goes wrong very quickly, who knows? I mean, they are both young. And I think I think that could spell lots of high emotions. If there's any infidelity before kids are born, who knows? And, love draw. and the other thing is she you talk about like. A new a new life, mm-hmm. right? I, I one of the things I always think about. I think that like it's hard for marriages is when you're thrown one person completely changes their life and they think it's going to you know it could be a fine transition and adaptation and like it doesn't take right. So this is my other question: If like let's say something happens really early on before Megan becomes a British citizen, mm-hmm. when she's still in a, because it's going to take about three to five years. For her to become an American, to become a British citizen. Yes. So let's say, you know, we've been told also that they want to have kids really quickly. Let's say they have kids like right off the bat, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe a year, two years out from the marriage. A year after that, it's falling apart. She's still an American citizen, files for divorce. Can she file for divorce in, in the U.S.? So she she probably could try to file for divorce in the U.S., but they're going to get married in England, in, they're right? They're going to get married in the U.K. So so the bond, so the marriage that they're going to try to dissolve is going to be an English marriage. An English marriage. And your 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 marriage where where you get married is very important because I have a California wedding license. If I were to choose to get divorced, I got to go to a California court and try to dissolve that piece of paper, which is governed by the laws of California. She'd probably have to file in the U.K. Okay. Now she may say the venue's so inconvenient. I, I got my career back. I'm trying to get in movies again. I gotta go. I gotta go on a lot of auditions. I can't right. be uh, flying across the pond. Right. And she may say, "This is an inconvenient forum for me, so I want to drag the proceedings all the way over here." He's some prince. He can go anywhere he wants. Right, He's got right. nothing to do oh, anyway. This is interesting. So she would then say, "I'll file here, but I'm going to say this is an inconvenient forum. So I want a California judge to look at these things, and he's just as capable over here, a judge in California, of applying UK law." And she could try that. Oh, interesting. Oh. Yeah, and and that would make Harry's life.
is really inconvenient. Really inconvenient. Because whoever, whoever, wherever the, uh, the, the the judge is situated, if it's a nasty divorce, you're in court a lot. Right. And you're and you're having to fly constantly back and forth for hearings, and especially if there's kids involved. I was going to say, if she takes really the kid, if she takes the kids to back to West Hollywood, you know, working her her acting <laughs> career, <laughs> not that type of West Hollywood, right. like because that's where she used to. She had an apartment there, guys. Right. Um, you know, she uh, <laughs> little queens, dancing yeah. on tables at Mickey's. You never know. But so yeah, I mean, different yeah, different type of queen. Um, so this would give her some leverage, this right? Right, she gave her some leverage for for a quick settlement because she's saying I can drag this through the mud and I can try to drag you to California. I don't even know if I'll be successful. Right, but I got a lot of fancy lawyers. Yeah, yeah and I was yeah. on a couple seasons of Suits, so I yeah. know how the law works. So let's say they're not going through the route of a prenup. Mm-hmm. So and if there's no prenup, what would happen in that sense? Like, what what is she entitled to? Sure. So in a United Kingdom court. It's a court of equity. So what they would want to do is divide up the assets that the parties accumulated during the course of the marriage. So the money she had from suits and the money he has from his his inheritance would be off the table typically as long as they're in segregated accounts. In the UK. In the UK, right. But the money as a community that they built together, so the two or three years that they're married and he's earning his his small stipend from from Charles and she's earning maybe some residuals, that money would be thrown into a pot and probably be divided 50-50. Interesting. The, the, The background principle is that equitable division of the assets, both parties throw their money into the pot and the community divides it right in half. So, so it actually really... might be a better way for Harry to go then. Absolutely. It wouldn't be a terrible way for Harry to go and I think that's what's sort of animating this is what are the pros and cons? Do I really want to have the negative energy of asking for a prenup if really all I'm protecting is a, a million dollars Anything salary. that we're going to bring together and we're as opposed together. to our assets that we had from before. Yeah, that's what um, a lot of, okay. uh, it dissuades a lot of people from getting prenups in the first yeah. place because your, your money beforehand, as long as you keep it separate, Right. And that's a big if, because once right. you start mixing it in accounts together. That's, I think the question yes. is whether or not that's already taken place. That's exactly right. Right. So, so most people just put their money in a pot and they don't worry about it. They say wherever it comes from. That causes a lot of trouble when divorce comes around. Derek, yep. thank you so much. Thank you for having me, guys. Really this is great. Yeah. This is great. something blue advice section, Sean and I thought it would be fun to act as your unofficial legal counsel. (laughs) We're each going to represent different sides of a prenuptial argument. I'll be taking the pro-prenup side and Sean will take that opposing position. And maybe this goes without saying, but we can only claim legit expertise with the royals. If you are engaged and thinking about a prenup, maybe consider talking to a professional about what's best for you and your partner. Speaking of partners, you know that I am due to get married yes. sometime in the next coming years. I don't know. But, right. It was supposed um, to be May 19th, but then Harry and Meghan ruined it. Exactly, yep. exactly. And, you know, we're, we're still trying to put a new date on the map, but right. we're not there yet. But one thing that we haven't done mm-hmm. is we haven't discussed a prenup at all. At all. It hasn't even, like... Hasn't even Is he American as well? He's American, okay. yes. Now, um, you know, it, it's... But being British, it's yeah. very awkward as we said earlier. To talk about money. To talk about money in general. Right. I don't even know how much my husband-to-be is worth. Really? Yeah. And he looks at my residual checks that comes in and laughs. <laughs> you know? That is so funny. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just, you know, we, it, I, we will have to have this conversation. Right. Mainly because, you know, I do want to protect who he is in this relationship and mm-hmm. protect his assets and his life. And, you know, because... 
I mean, because I, I love him, and I, but it, it's trying to get that awkwardness out of the way. Like, right. you know, and, and to be truthful, like coming from a br- British family is like, I don't want anything. Like, right. you know, that is my sort of MO. Is like, I don't really, you know, I can survive on my own. I can take care of myself. I have, you know, my savings. Right. And, you know, so like this whole idea of prenup kind of is unromantic in mm. some ways. And I don't know if I want to put that out there. Right. Um, but I have the duty of talking about I know. the pro. Right. So maybe you taking the pro prenup side right now is good practice. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I like that. You I like know? that. Let's, let's, well, we have some notes. Okay. So let's talk about what we think that okay. are, are pro. So what, what do you think are the pros? Well, first and foremost, to just get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, get all the uncomfortableness out and, right. and just, you know, have, have a lawyer that's very fair that kind of sets out, you know, here's, here's what both of you have here's right. what i think is you know seek counsel right. you know and make sure that uh both of us feel very comfortable at the end of it um on, on where we're going right and then put it out of our minds so we don't have to think about it ever again also right if your spouse ends up showing a side of themselves during the prenup yeah. and that's sort of a red flag isn't it that it's like yeah. oh you know if, let, let's say for example that you know um god forbid my fiance starts being really greedy and right or litigious you know, yeah or sort of you know well i want this amount and i want that amount and right. you know or you don't get I, you don't get anything yeah or da, 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 or, just like or the way he handles it yeah exactly you don't deserve anything or anything. right and it's like really do i want to be with and you were like that's... i wasn't asking for anything to begin yeah. with. yeah yeah so you know that, that's, that's a fair point i think okay oh the last point i'll make is uh protecting the wealthier partner's assets you know so they may have uh, not just the assets but they may have family you know that the money maybe came from sure uh, that was inheritance that came from their father right. they don't want to give that up continue on to the family or the children or this because that's a good point you know if they don't have maybe you don't have children with this marriage and the money is supposed to the inheritance whatever is supposed to be so that you can you know have yeah. children it's and money to come to protect the family down the line right well okay i'm gonna chime in here and be um i'm gonna be the hopeless romantic and be against prenups here okay so it just it ruins the romance like in order to set yourself up for success you have to go in believing it's going to be a success yeah like if you plan an exit you know if you have the if you know like it's not like getting on an airplane where you got to know where all the exits are you know (laughs) it's it's a very different situation so i just think that it's it's saying it's admitting that hmm pretty sure that there's like there's a legit chance that this isn't going to end and i'm already planning out how it's going to happen if it does end so your advice to me as yeah a, as you know your blue-blooded advice my blue-blooded be, advice to you is i think don't you should, worry i no, i think you should have a conversation you yeah. know with your partner and but i think that it should i think there's definitely a conversation and i think there it's good to have an idea of like here's what we're going to do with our finances. Like, we're going to separate, like, what we have, you know, or da-da-da-da, or we're going to make it communal, da-da-da-da-da. I think that's great. And, you know, I, I'll bring this back around full circle when you actually go on that blind date that oh I set gosh, up for you. Oh, my gosh. I was going to say, I'm like, you're taking this advice. I wanted to be like, listeners, you're taking this advice from Singleton Sean. So I'm like, yes, this is my advice for all of you people in your prenuptial agreement conversations. Well, the tea has been spilled, and it's been rather hot. I'm Sean Mandel. And I'm Craig Robert Young, and thank you for joining us on Spilling Royal Tea, the podcast. Spilling Royal Tea is a collaboration between TMZ and Spoke. Use Spoke to find your next favorite podcast. Learn more at hearspoke.com. Maggie Van Dorn is our executive producer, and you can subscribe to Spilling Royal Tea on Apple Podcasts, 
For more coverage of the royal wedding, visit TMZ.com.